and welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. This bi-weekly podcast is devoted to exploring what works in all aspects of legal marketing. Every episode includes actionable takeaways for developing new business at law firms from the largest international firm to the solo attorney. The podcast is a production of Picture More Business, a corporate photography studio with a core focus on the legal industry. I'm Michael Meyer, the host of the Legal Marketing Studio. For this first episode of 2017, I'm excited to be speaking with Eva Wisnick of Wisnick Career Enterprises. Over the past 20 years, Eva has worked with 74 of the AMLAW 100, placed over 800 marketing and BD professionals at law firms around the country, and conducted over 600 training programs for attorneys in business development, time management, and Myers-Briggs. Eva, welcome to the Legal Marketing Studio. Thank you, Michael. I'm very excited to be here today. So let's just start with a really big picture. What did you see in terms of hiring and training in 2016, and then where does that lead us into for 2017? That's a great start. So interestingly enough, we had more jobs that we were asked to fill in 2017 than the last 10 years before that. We were up to about 160 jobs from 57 different law firms. So that was very exciting, and it was a a really phenomenal year placement-wise. But what was also interesting is when we do our surveys, as you know, we've done them for many years of the industry, we saw in the surveys that there were firms that were definitely hiring and expanding their marketing, BD, PR, communications functions, but there were still firms that were letting people go that were decreasing in size. And that really gave me some pause as to what was happening in the industry. Now, these firms that are, these are all lar- large firms or these medium-sized firms? What size firms are Well, are that you was in? it. That was, you know, I was looking for some kind of trend there and um, it, there was no consistent trend. They were in various cities, New York, Chicago, D.C., some were 250 lawyers, some were 500 lawyers. So what I really, I really ponder this because I kept seeing this pop up on the different surveys. And my conclusion was that some firms are doing phenomenally well at different sizes in different places with different markets. Some are treading water, holding their own, but struggling a little bit. And some are really not doing that well. And again, in exploring it further, talking to people, really saying, what is going on here? Uh, First of all, it doesn't feel like one consistent market, which normally would see like, oh, it's firms that size, or it's firms that only do litigation or IP. And my conclusion was that it's firms that really have vision and strategy and leadership that are doing incredibly well in different markets at different sizes. But the ones that are trying to be everything to everybody or don't have a clear vision as to where they fit into the marketplace, they're really struggling and they're actually letting go of their marketing BD talent because they can't afford to keep them. Do you have any sense that those firms that are pulling back on their marketing or BD departments, are they pulling back also on their attorneys or are they only cutting their support staff? That's a great question. I I don't know because we don't survey that part of the market. But to me, like the health of a firm is oftentimes reflected. Are they hiring marketing and BD people? Are they investing in that? And also, because we also do work in the recruiting market, um, are they hiring recruiting people? Because if they're not hiring, if they're letting go of recruiting people, that means they're not hiring attorneys and talent. So that's where I'm talking about. So that that was the biggest concern in seeing those trends. But I I really do, when I look think of 2017, um, the, all the indicators, from my perspective, and looking at the numbers, looking at the trends, I do believe it's going to continue to be a really good marketplace for marketing and BD positions and growth and continued growth in the market. Now, you know, it's tough to sort of separate out, separate marketing and BD, uh, business development. 
But do you see any shifts in priorities between, say, marketing budgets or marketing staffs and business development staffs? And how tightly interlocked are you seeing those those departments being? Well, most firms is one department, I would say. What we have seen over the last five years is the majority of the jobs are on the business development side. And they've gotten much more specific, meaning most of the times when we get a business development job, it's practice group specific. So it's BD for litigation, BD for corporate versus just BD. What we did see in 2016, which was different than 2015, was a big uptick in BD litigation jobs. And I think it's not necessarily because there was so much more litigation business going on. It was because it was so competitive to get litigation business. So we definitely saw uptick in that. On the marketing communication side, what's been very steady for the last five years as we've come out of the recession a number of years ago now is PR jobs. Very steady increase. Last year, we placed two directors of PR and communication in major, major law firms, top 10 law firms. So that's happening. And I think that's because firms are bringing in their budget in-house for a lot of the senior PR jobs. They still are relying on a PR agency but they want somebody senior and strategic to work closely with partners and firm leadership in-house. What we don't see a ton of, it's there, but it's, you know, it's not a big part of the marketplace, is the branding marketing piece of it. I think because a lot of firms already kind of created their website, their collateral. So there isn't a lot of new things being created. So, but we see some of that, but it's not at the same rate. It's probably 70% business development jobs versus 30% communications, marketing, PR jobs. That work, the marketing work, branding strategy, they're still going outside for that, whereas PR, they're pulling in-house a little bit more? Yeah, I don't, you know, they probably are going outside. I just think a lot of it has been built, right? So I think that, you know, where if you look back when I started the business 20 years ago, all the jobs are marketing because they were building the brand, they were building the website, they were building the communications piece. I'm not saying they don't need to continue to revisit that and make sure that their brand is very clear, but it's at a different place in the development, in the cycle of evolution. The industry is at a mm-hmm. different place. Yeah. Most of the firms have figured out who they are. and Usually, <laughs> especially the ones that are doing well again, I think absolutely. I'm curious, one of the things that I'd seen in the report was there's sort of the divide between the more senior people are, the more likely they are to still be at the firm. And the, you know, sort of lower positions, they're more likely to either leave legal marketing entirely or to be looking to jump ship fairly rapidly. Um, To what extent are you seeing firms promoting in-house and training in-house versus hiring talent either from other firms or from outside the industry? Yeah, that's a great question. I think really what I've seen over the years is it really depends on the culture of the firm. There are firms that we've placed people there, they're 11 years later, and they've gotten promoted three times. And there are firms that have more of a a kind of a reactive tendency to say, well, give me somebody new, they're probably better than who we have. So it really depends on the culture of the firm. As far as the junior people, which we also work with quite a bit, I think when you meet somebody and they're under five years out of school and kind of, you know, this is one of their first or second careers, they're still just trying to figure it out. So I don't take it as a slight on the industry that they don't want to stay in marketing or BD. I think they're just not exactly sure what they want to do when they grow up yet. The core competency models that we've built for the industry, they they show you the different skill sets that you need at different levels. And um, one of the things I would definitely say, whether you're somebody listening who is new to the industry or somebody who's hiring more junior people is some of the non-negotiables in our industry are writing skills. 
I mean, you have to know how to write even as a junior person, whether you're writing an email or writing any kind of correspondence or editing. And we actually give every candidate who's been um, out of school for less than three years a writing test. So there are different skills you need at different points. When you get to see the senior people who've probably been in the industry closer to 20 years, um, you know, it's a good question. What keeps them in this? Usually they tell me that they really enjoy working with the attorneys. They like the legal environment in terms of the intellectual stimulation, the incredibly high level of um, demand on service and excellence, and they, they really thrive in that environment. So again, it's skills and values that keep people happy, I believe. You know, one thing that I've always been fascinated to hear, whether it's speaking directly with you know people at the senior level or you know hearing people speak on panels, is how many people at a senior level sort of fell into it. Mm-hmm. And they just, when someone says, hey, have you thought of legal marketing or are you interested in this kind of role? And they go, what is that? You know, is something separate? Are you seeing people coming in at not necessarily a junior level, but sort of a, the middle level where they know what it is and they are interested in doing it rather than sort of falling into it? Yeah, that's that's a really good question because I interview so many people, including people from outside the industry. Um, usually when they're more senior, they've heard of it. Maybe it's, um, you know, maybe they have a lawyer in the family or somebody says, oh, you do marketing. Have you thought of law firms? It's, it's a, it seems a little bit more conscious. I still think it's a hidden gem. I'm, I'm a really big proponent of law firm, non-lawyer type jobs. I started as a recruiting assistant at Schulte Roth and Zabel in 1989, and I stayed in, on the recruiting side inside of law firms before I started this business. The level of professionalism, um, the fact that you have really good resources, the fact that people still read what you create. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think are really great, but I think if, if I walked into a business school tomorrow at NYU, Stern, I said, how many of you have ever heard of law firm marketing? I, I'd be surprised if it's more than 10% of people. I mean, this is, I guess, related, but a, a bit of a non sequitur. I'm curious what generational uh, differences you're seeing in terms of either skill sets or expectations. Yeah, you know, the, the thing that I'm, when I'm interviewing a candidate, especially a junior one, but even more senior one, it happens sometimes with people who've already been in the industry for a year, for years. There's one thing I'm really looking for is a client service orientation. So what that looks like, because I think if you don't have the writing skills and you don't have a client service orientation, you're not going to be able to really thrive in this environment. And what a client service orientation looks like, it's it's not about you. It's about what you could do for the client. And oftentimes it's internal client in marketing and BD versus the, the firm, the clients of the firm. And, you know, and that's gotten harder to find with millennials and, and more junior people because um, I'm not sure they've been trained that way, but it's not impossible. So a question I always ask is, what are you excited to bring to this job? And if they need to be able to articulate that like they're there to bring things versus, you know, if I hear a lot of, well, I want a place that's going to promote me. I want a place where I can grow. I want a place where I'm going to have mentors. You know, I, I actually stop them and say, look, if you're going to continue in that way, you can't go into an interview about what you want. You have to go in there about what you want to bring. So that kind of client service focus, a service focus, it has gotten more challenging. But I have to be honest with you, I, I sometimes interview somebody who's been in the industry seven, ten years, and every sentence starts with I. And I, I literally confront them with that because I can't put in a cover letter and pitch somebody and saying, you should hire them because of here are all the things they want. You know, that's not what the clients of the firm want from their lawyers. And I don't think, I think marketing and BD professionals should be really good role models for the lawyers as to how they serve their clients. Are there any other 
necessary skills or uh, whether they're hard skills or soft skills that you see as being either very in demand by from the firms or that makes candidates or I do. I think the one desirable. thing, especially when we're talking about all the growth on the BD side, the strong analytical, even metric skills, which I don't think they weren't in demand seven, 10, definitely 15 years ago. And what they look like is somebody who can, who's actually almost like an analyst type person where you're looking at the business world, you're looking at the clients of the firm and what's happening in their industries. And you're trying to really connect the dots on how will that affect our business? Where's the opportunity? And, you know, it's interesting because we thought for a few minutes there when, um, we thought research librarians and law firms would be able to step into that space as, as more and more lawyers kind of do their own research. And unfortunately, we haven't seen that trend take place because we're not just talking about collecting information. We're talking about analyzing it and helping the lawyers to get summary and bullet points about what can they do with this. So I'm definitely seeing that. And I think anybody who's got either the, the facility for that or the training for that is going to thrive. I think the future BD people, it's gonna, they have to have that kind of business analysis aptitude. You'd mentioned as we were kind of setting up here that you were seeing a lot of alumni programs being brought into the business development uh, departments. Could you talk a bit about that? Absolutely. So when the market really contracted in 2007 through 2010, even when firms had alumni programs, maybe they had somebody in charge of the alumni, they, they, they're they often they disappeared a lot of those jobs. They didn't feel like value added jobs at the time. Maybe firms had to cut budgets, and I started seeing them come back about two three years ago. And what they look like they used to be more like event planning jobs for alumni, and now they really seem to have a more of a strategic BD focus. And they, they the ones I've seen all report to BD, not to recruiting, where they used to sit a little bit more and you know we recruit people, we keep them, they leave, we stay in touch with them, we have a big annual alumni function. So I'm seeing more of those jobs where there's, you know, investment in a database, there's a newsletter, there are strategic specific events. Let's have an event for all the people who ever worked at our firm who now do venture capital work. Let's have an event for people who do, you know, corporate transaction work and bringing those alumni back, oftentimes enticing them with CLE programs because if they work, if they're general counsel or a business person who has a license and they work in a smaller entity, they don't always get CLE that easily. So I'm definitely seeing that. And it's been really interesting that it's it's alumni with a BD focus that sits under BD. Something else that I've seen just as a, a an observer of the legal marketing sector is a lot of interest in associate and attorney training uh, in terms of sales and business development mm-hmm. rather than more kind of practice-oriented CLE type training. What are you seeing? Because I know you do some training I in do. terms of what firms want for their associates, for their attorneys in terms of the sales? Yeah. So I think that there's been a sentiment towards doing BD training for a number of years. What's really shifted in the last few years is not just offering that training to partners, but really even including associates, even junior associates. And I think that's a that's a really healthy thing because the expectation now that you're going to somehow be able to develop business over the course of your career, especially if you want to stay and make partner that's shifted. When I started out in 1989, there was no focus on business development. It was more like be a really good attorney and the business will come and maybe there's a handful of rainmakers and they're going to take care of it. But 80% of the lawyers, at least the firms I, I experienced, were expected to be more service partners. And now there's more of a, you know what, even if you're not 
a major rainmaker, you should at least be able to pay your own way in some ways. So I think it's a healthy thing that they're doing that. And, um, and I have to say that having done business development training for lawyers myself, it's challenging because the skills that you need to be a very successful lawyer, which are writing and a- analysis and even like, you know, analyzing risk, they're very different skills than what it takes to be a business developer. What are some of those skills that you're seeing that, that, that you're being brought yeah. into train in terms of business development? Yeah. What kind of topics or programs? Yeah. And, 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 you know, before I go there, I just want to say that I've given the Myers-Briggs type indicator to about 400 marketing and business development professionals in LMA groups across the country. And I've given the Myers-Briggs type indicator to 6,000 attorneys in, in large firms, new associates, retreats, partner retreats, all, all levels. And the profile of your typical attorney um, at a big firm looks very different than the profile of a marketing professional. So, you know, in terms of pure style, most lawyers are extremely analytical, problem-solving oriented, and they're actually, I believe, trained in law school to figure out what's wrong with something. Um, The profile or the kind of the mindset of a really good marketer, I think, is to figure out where the opportunity lies and what's right with something. And those are very different skill sets or attitudes. So I'm actually going to let you close here by giving you just sort of an open-ended yeah. uh, opportunity. Some of the, mo- what you thought was most interesting in the survey and what you thought perhaps was the biggest opportunity that that, that, that pre- presented for firms, whether they're larger firms or, you know, medium-sized firms. Well, I think, you know, I, I was excited about the results of the 2016 uh, Law Firm Marketing BD survey. They're always on our website, actually, the results, because it showed an uptick in salaries again. It showed growth. Um, it showed that most people were happy both in their roles and they were their compensation. So, I mean, I, I saw a lot of things that made me feel like this was a, a good growing industry. And that's so important because not every industry out there is that like that, you know, when I meet people coming out of publishing and things like that, there's some industries that are really, there's just no growth going on. They're almost dying industries. So I feel really, like I'm excited to bring people into these roles and to, into these jobs. I think the one thing I, saw, I keep seeing in the survey, and it's really interesting, there's a question we ask towards the end of the survey that says, you know, what will, why would you leave your job? Is it more money? Is it more opportunity, you know, and, and the, the answer that comes up for all levels, CMOs, managers, directors, uh, coordinators is career growth. And what I'm curious about is what does that really mean for people? I don't think it's one answer, but I'm always curious, like, what do they mean by that? And when I try to explore it further, and I, I think I will end up doing a survey just on that question at some point, I think what people really are looking for is a place where they can continue to learn and grow and expand their skill set. And I do believe that at the end of the day, that is our ultimate career security is when you're growing and learning. So the question is, how can firms support that? I think there are some CMOs out there that consciously do training for their uh, marketing BD teams. They bring people in. I've done bunch of um, retreats just for marketing BD groups on time management, goal setting, client service skills. Um, but I think it's it's not always intuitive, but the way that you keep your best people is by giving them opportunities to continue to take on new challenges and growth. That doesn't always mean 
a new title. It doesn't always mean more money, but it's like, you know, if you've already done this, would you like to try this? Or what haven't you learned? But turning it around too, since we're right in January and such a good time for you know career goal setting, I think it's important for each one of us, no matter what we're doing, whether we're the CMO or new to the industry or a vendor or somebody at a smaller firm to say, what do I need to learn this year? What would I like to be exposed to? Are there any skills? Is there knowledge? Are there contacts that I need to add to my own career portfolio? And how can I impact that as opposed to thinking that somebody else is going to do that for me? And I think that when we identify those kinds of needs or growth opportunities, there's such a good chance that they're kind of some sitting somewhere nearby. That's you walk into an LMA program or you walk into a law firm and you say, can I come and sit on your, in on your practice group meeting? I want to learn more about that particular type of client or what you do for them. Those opportunities are really close by. And I really encourage people to think of themselves, their own career portfolio. How do they own that? How do they expand that? How they continue to grow it? Because it, it, it really pays off, even if you're not getting direct recognition for it. it it's job security. It really feels so good to grow and learn. And it makes you that much more valuable at the end of the day. Eva, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Legal Marketing Studio Podcast. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me. And Happy New Year to everybody. Thank you. So our extended content, including photographs uh, and a link to Eva's most recent salary survey can be found on our website, legalmarketing.studio. Note that there's no .com, it's just legalmarketing.studio. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast. The Legal Marketing Studio can be found on iTunes and on SoundCloud. Would you like to appear in the marketing studio, know someone who might, or have a suggestion for a topic? Please send an email to producer at legalmarketing.studio or reach out via the contact page on our website, legalmarketing.studio. The Legal Marketing Studio is a production of Picture More Business, a full-service corporate photography studio focused on the legal industry based in Brooklyn, New York, and working with clients nationally. If your firm is updating its website, hiring new attorneys, or revamping its brand and marketing materials, give us a call. We'd love to explore collaborative opportunities. More information can be found at picturemorebusiness.com. That's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. (music) 